I, as a coach, I get a little excited when my clients are having breakdowns. When their world is falling apart, I get a little tickle and a tingle inside of my heart and excitement for them because I know that we're going to be able to make magic with that. Because breakdowns can be gifts in our lives because breakdowns slow us down. Right. And in this, if we slow down and go get internal with the slowdown, that's when we are able to turn the breakdown into breakthroughs. Listening to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey, Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast listeners, welcome back. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Relish Studio. Check them out on the web at relishstudio.com. They are a digital marketing firm devoted to purpose-driven business leaders, and their goal is to guide and support their customers as they realize the full potential of marketing to fuel both business and personal growth. Speaking from personal experience, I have worked with Relish on websites, logo design, and in fact, the editing of this very podcast. I can't say enough about them. And my friend Stu is just a wonderful human. He is totally in alignment in terms of environment and sustainability, two things I'm very passionate about. And in fact, their entire business is a 1% for the planet partner which means they're giving back a percentage of their revenue to environmental causes and organizations. I just love these guys. I can't say enough about them. If you decide to check them out and you want to hire them for a new job, make sure you mention the Maximum Enthusiasm podcast to them, and they will offer you a 10% discount off of their normal rate on their first engagement with you. Check them out, relishstudio.com. Welcome back, listeners. It is Friday, April 3rd, as of the day that I am recording this intro. I hope that this finds you well and healthy. We are now approximately three weeks into the coronavirus situation, and most of us have now been home and been in uh, semi-quarantine status for a few weeks. So I feel like it's fair to say that we're starting to settle into our new normal, and it looks pretty apparent that we're going to be in the situation through the end of April at minimum. And I know a lot of schools have made decisions not to resume school at all this semester into the summer. And I also realize that this has been incredibly detrimental for so many businesses and companies out there, especially those in the restaurant space and just small businesses in general. The good news is that the payroll protection plan, the SBA, and some of the loans and funds and grants that are rolling out are finally starting to gain traction and actually be feasible for small business owners to take advantage of and and keep their their businesses going. And it's just been a really challenging time. And um, I've been just observing it all and taking it all in and processing. And I will be honest that some days are better than others. Some days I get out of bed and hit the ground running and have a lot of motivation, a lot of discipline, a lot of energy. And some days I simply don't. And I think I speak for most of us when I say that we wake up every morning still pretty incredulous that this is our reality. And yet it absolutely is. And so one of my 
personal focuses has been in the gratitude space. I've mentioned on a few episodes, I was reading the gratitude diaries, which I finished and I highly recommend that book. And then a friend gave me a book called 1000 gifts, a dare to live fully right where you are. And I'm about three fourths of the way through that book. And it has inspired me to start my own list of 1000 gifts. So in the morning or in the evening, I've been writing down 10 to 12 things that I'm super grateful for. And they range from being very uh, simple and minute, like the fact that I woke up in the morning and am breathing oxygen, things that we easily take for granted, all the way to things that are um, a bit more materialistic, like the fact that I have a treadmill in my house, which I'm so grateful for right now. Um, all the way to the the health of my dogs, the health of my family and my friends and of myself. So that's been a really great practice. And my goal is to get to a thousand gifts on my list. And so I'm having a lot of fun with that. I would encourage you to really buckle down in your gratitude practice right now, if you can. Something else I've gotten really serious about after kind of giving myself a few weeks there of figuring out what my new routine and, and rituals would look like is that I'm back into a self-care space where I'm spending more time stretching, meditating, doing yoga at home. I use a great app that's called Aptiv, A-A-P-T-I-V, and it offers great yoga and meditation as well as strength training and other workouts you can do at home and really enjoy the meditation um, sessions on that app especially. So highly recommend that and check that out. And um, just getting, I guess, more disciplined on stepping away from the screens. It is really, really, really easy right now when we're all home to just keep scrolling and just keep reading the news and just keep gravitating back to Facebook and just one more time on Instagram. And I'm getting crystal clear on how that has not been serving me. And so I'm trying to put some serious boundaries and parameters around those things. And I would encourage you to do the same and really start to honor and perhaps even just pay closer attention to your guardrails when when is it too much? When has your screen time crossed the threshold of being bad for you? Uh, examples might be headaches, disrupted sleep, uh, increased anger, frustration, feeling more frenetic, um, just feeling out of sorts. Sometimes my brain actually feels like it hurts when I've been on the screen. So get curious and try to put some boundaries and some, some new parameters in play as we head into the second week of April. Um, as Jocko says, discipline is freedom. And I do agree with that, especially right now when we have these unscripted um, days and these calendars that are full of white space without structure to give us some sort of um, guidelines. And uh, the truth is we get to just, we get to do what we want to do with that. And we get to experiment with different ways of doing this, this thing called life. So that part's pretty awesome. Uh, today's guest is a return guest. Demi McConkie is my sole purpose coach. She's become a close friend. I have attended her sole purpose live events once as a participant and once as a member of her leadership team. I'm helping her develop her voice and her brand online, working on her Instagram account and photography for her now. She is a force. She is magic, her essence, everything about her. You want to just keep listening she has this calming, soothing, um, grounded nature to her that makes you want to be around her and be in her energy. At the same time, she is very, very intuitive and she is brilliant in her understanding of neuropsychology and um, neuroscience and the way that the brain does these wacky things that totally stress us out. So I have her back on the show now to talk about the miracles that can come from this breakdown that we're in. 
And um, some people may be in a space that they're ready to hear this message, and some people may not be in a space um, where the losses and the destruction of this coronavirus are still too um, too heavy to to give any thought to what miracles might come from this. And I understand that, and I underappreciate it. I appreciate it completely. Um, but we explore some of all of those aspects, and we talk about how to. Um, even just give yourself permission to drop out of your head and down into your heart and into your soul to ask yourself some of those questions. And one of the things I love about um, Demi's workshops is that she poses the question, what's the story that you don't want to tell? And when that lands on us, you, we usually know exactly what the story is that we don't want to tell um, or what's the question that we pretend not to know the answer to or what are we pretending not to know? That's another really good one. Um, Give some thought to the things that she says, hear her out, consider some of the, the couple of the books that she mentions. And I can't wait to share more of her online presence, especially her sole purpose live content with you in the event that you might be interested in attending one of those events. I do think that they are transformative, life-changing, and um, it's like your breakthrough that's just waiting to happen. So sit with this one. And there is a part of this podcast where she instructs you to close your eyes. So obviously, please don't do that if you are driving or walking or, or doing something that would require vision. But otherwise, I hope that you'll give that exercise uh, a real legitimate shot and see where it takes you. Sending love and hugs and good health and energy. And um, just a reminder that you are seen. And I believe in you. Have a great day. Live it with maximum enthusiasm. I think we should just dive in. It's so good to hear your voice. It's hard to get me to not riff. No, it's so good. Thank you for sitting down in front of your computer too. I know you love to move and talk. I know that's your space. Uh, I know you get that. I totally get that. Yes, trust me when I say it's hard for me to stay tethered to the computer as well. But the audio will play out best if we do. And for those tuning in today, I have this most magical just brilliant, vibrant human being with me today. Her name is Demi. She has been my coach. She leads Soul Purpose Live. We have just continued to stay in touch and explore all the ways that we can create magic together. And I'm just so glad to have you back on the show. Welcome back, Demi. Mm. Thanks, Megan. It's great to be back and it's great Mm. to connect with you this way. Can I just thank you right off the bat for getting me hooked on that, what I've come to call the immune booster juice, which is the ginger, the lime, the honey, and the seltzer mixed together, like totally addicted to it. (laughs) Thanks for that. Yeah, I know. It's it's, it's one of my favorites. (laughs) Mm, So good. So Demi is a coach of primarily entrepreneurs, but really anyone who's just looking to step into their brilliance. And she has this amazing way of facilitating breakthroughs. She's like this conduit of energy and just, um, I don't know, just radiance and magic. I know I keep saying the same words, but that's just what always comes up for me with you. And my goal today is to share some of that with our listeners. Um, we, it's April 3rd, we're in the midst of COVID-19, most of us have been in lockdown for two to three weeks now. It's manifesting itself in all kinds of different ways. You work with business owners, you're seeing the good, the bad, and the ugly among what they're having to deal with. And the theme that I have observed you sharing more and more and more throughout this is instead of this being a setback, instead of this being a fallout, what if this is an opportunity to create 
the thing that you've always wanted to create for yourself. So, so talk us through that. Tell me all about it. Well, you know, I, as a coach, I get a little excited when my clients are having breakdowns, when their world is falling apart, I get a little tickle and a tingle inside of my heart and excitement for them because I know that we're going to be able to make magic with that because breakdowns can be gifts in our lives because breakdowns slow us down. Right. And in this, if we slow down and go get internal with the slowdown, that's when we are able to turn the breakdown into breakthroughs. If we stay external in the breakdown, and what I mean by that is a lot of times when we have breakdown, our brain, our survival pattern of our brain, which is 95% of our neurological wiring. So there's a strong pull when we have breakdowns to stay external and staying external is pointing blame and, you know, uh, looking for other people's solutions to come and save us and complaining and, and, and being in the worry and the fear of it, that's staying external. Um, and, there's a, there's a seduction to it. Our, our, I call it monkey mind brain loves that stuff. It feeds off of it. It fuels it. And so in the slowdown, if we don't go there into monkey mind food and fuel, then we'll get internal. And what internal is, is internal is just slowing down to connect with our breath. When we do that, we have access to this deep reservoir of intelligence and wisdom that is always we're always connected to and when we reconnect to that we are able to remember deeper truths and connect to that deeper wisdom where we're going to have the kind of insights that will help us create will help us see take responsibility for the breakdown in a way that brings restores our power and and connects us to our sense of freedom. And when we have that, we're able to create breakthroughs in our life. And so in this, you know, I I really got a little bit excited when all of this, you know, COVID breakdown started happening. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is a global opportunity for all of us to slow down. And I was sharing with you before we went live here that, you know, I, I knew that there would be a lot of breakdowns for everybody, myself included, especially when the kids came home from school. I sure. Knew that, I knew that many of the, oh, I almost stood up and started walking. Okay, I'm going to sit back down. <laughs> Good girl. Thank you. <laughs> Train myself. Um, yeah, I, I knew that, uh, I, could, I knew that within my own family infrastructure, that there was a lot of, of weak integrity in our systems and our processes. And what I mean by work integrity, integrity by my terms is workability. So I knew that there were places, I have a three-year-old, I have a nine-year-old, I have a 14-year-old stepson and a 17-year-old stepdaughter. And I knew that there were a lot of things, and we're a blended family. There are a lot of things that still aren't very workable within the way that we do the family unit, especially with my three-year-old. Before this whole um, lockdown, my three-year-old was not potty trained, still taking a juice baba at night, which all of this is very embarrassing for me to share, by the way. Oh gosh, don't <laughs> be embarrassed. Thanks for sharing though. He was, you know, still sleeping in bed with mom and dad. He could not sit in the timeout chair for like um, two seconds. And so all of that, I and mean, we could tolerate the lack of integrity because we would just sort of tolerate it at night and then send him to daycare in the day, you know, and sure. my daughter, just get her to school and we just deal with it and then get them, you know, delegated off. 
Right. So I knew that there would be things that would be kind of like breaking down more in my family unit. And I was excited about it. I was actually excited to let those weak integrity places be revealed so that we could work through them. And I knew it wouldn't be uncomfortable. I knew it wouldn't all be comfortable and fun and it wasn't, um, but we've been able to really work through it. And, you know, so one of the things that I did is I moved all of my, um, I kind of cleared my calendar as much as I could for two weeks to be able to work with the breakdowns that I knew were going to be happening in my family unit. And, um, and it was one of the best things that I was able to do for myself is, is like to just be able to give myself self space to be with the breakdowns. And the first week, Megan, you know, what I realized is that I was, um, this was a big new distinction for me is that, you know, I've been talking about and posting about all oh, the, you know, breakdowns are gifts because they slow us down. I'm really excited to, to get to do this slow down with my family. Mm-hmm. And the first week I was busier and busier than ever making three meals a week, trying to keep the kids, you know, set up their homeschooling system and doing all of that. Sure. And it was in working with my coach where I really got to sit down and realize I was doing slow down. I was not being slow down. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was a really important distinction for me. And so, ah. yeah, yeah. And that, that shift and in, in being able to see that helped me to remember that, that, slowing down isn't something you do it's something that you be and in the being of slow down I have been able to um just breathe more with and 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 be in a state of allowing more of what's going on and not having to and just starting to notice more of the places that I'm trying to get busy again and and sure rendering into those as I can yeah and and I'm happy to say so we're, we're into this like two and a half weeks now or three weeks um, that the kids have been home at least. My son is potty trained. Oh my gosh! Congratulations! He is sleeping awesome. in his bed by himself. Like um, we had the first night of that the other night. He's staying in timeout for two minutes, a timer, and great. no more juice baba. This is so Amazing. great. It's like the structure that you had all been maybe a little too busy to have time to really focus on having that two weeks to really lay some new ground rules and um, establish some new family foundation is going to be like, it's going to pay dividends over the long term for your whole family. And um, that's got to just feel amazing to feel, to like know that your family's in a little bit of chaos and crisis, but to never really have the bandwidth to truly tackle it head on and then have this gift of these weeks where you, you did dive in and just to see, I'm sure how the family unit is going to be so much stronger going forward. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, so, one thing I want to talk about and share too, that is so amazing. It's just really worth sharing is that when you be the slow down and you be, it's, it's a state of a really allowing and really connecting into that um, deeper wisdom that we all have access to all of the time. It's just that when we, we get our lives going so busy, we create interference to that uh, connection. And, you know, so one of the most amazing miracles that has come out of this, Megan, is my husband's ex-wife is our new nanny. I love it. I mean, it's I, justice. I love it. <laughs> like my husband and I were laughing. We thought, man, man, if you would have told us this two years ago, that this would be our situation, we would, no, I would never. That'd be a hard it. no. Yep. Yes. Yes. And, and, and so this has really made me think about Aww. what are the miracles that I keep myself from, my ego keeps myself from having, because let me tell you, there is no, but there's no person that could be better for this position. First of all, she is 
you know, healthy, you know, one of my kids that is here at my home is her son. Right. And she is handling him in ways that I can't even handle. And he is vacuuming and sweeping and he's oh, right I, on. There is a workability, a flow. And the job that she lost was she was a, she worked at a daycare center for 20 years. She, I haven't had to train her in why one, I mean, it's just been, it's been a miracle. It's a gift all around. Oh. If it weren't for the COVID, virus, I wouldn't have allowed this miracle into my life. I love it. Well, and that, so let's drill down into the point you just made, which is that, um, we all have this inner voice. We all have this innate wisdom. I know you've referred to this a lot in our work together that we are prone to over our lives and drown out that inner voice and that innate wisdom. And so in the slowdown, there's probably a lot of people that are starting to get a little bit uncomfortable now that that voice is starting to be more audible. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give some suggestions on what yeah. we start to do now that we're noticing that maybe we yes. haven't been living yes. in alignment with our values? Yes. And the first thing I want to say about that, and it's kind of you and I were talking about this a little bit before too, is the first thing to do that's really important is to honor wherever you are. Because we're all in very different places and this coronavirus is hitting all of us in very different ways right now. And some of us are on the front line and um, some of us aren't. And some of us are being isolated alone. I have some of my clients who uh, are alone. They don't have family with them. I yep. am fortunate enough to, you have, you separated from your sweetheart. And yep. I you know, I'm fortunate enough, or I don't know, maybe sometimes it's hard to feel that fortune when I'm, you yes. know, isolated with my um, family, but, but I am, you know, and so um, I was sharing with you that I led a call, um, one of my group calls in my community, I started it very arrogant, you know, because I had just come back to coaching on Tuesday, and so many of my clients were in such a good place because of the deeper work that they had been doing on themselves to prepare. I mean, they were prepared mentally, emotionally, spiritually for this. So even though they were losing money, they had, you know, lots of things had happened in their lives. They were in such a great state of mind to be able to take advantage of the breakdown that was um, happening for them as well. And there is, you know, there was a woman in my community that was just sharing, man, I'm not there yet to be able to, you know, see this as such a miracle, like so many of you are. And she was beating herself up a little bit about it. And I felt responsible for bringing that. And I felt, you know, and it was really a good reminder for me to, you know, remember that we're all at different places. And, you know, one of the things that I had been talking a lot about this week is that the invitation into leadership is heartbreak. Boy, you're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, because when you decide as a leader and what a leader is, is somebody who wants to take a stand for the greatness in humanity. We, at our core, we get, we realize that there's greatness in all and greatness in humanity and we stand for it as leaders. And when you decide to do that, you're going to be, have to be with the heartbreak because humanity is full of humans. Right. And humans are 95% their monkey brain and 5% their conscious brain, right? Their connection to that. And so, you know, being part of that monkey brain, that monkey brain is our, you know, neuroscience tells us that 95% of our brain is um, subconscious and all of that subconscious wiring is coded for survival and efficiency. So that's, that, that creates these behavioral patterns that are designed to protect, to hide, disguise, um, 
to sort of puff ourselves up, to peacock, to appear, to um, get liked, be admired, be right. respected, look good, fit in. And so, you know, there's, um, as a leader, you have to, uh, we have to be with the heartbreak that comes from standing with, for humans. And part of that heartbreak is, is being with the breakdowns that, that come along with it. Breakdowns will bring the heartbreak. You know, when things fall apart, there's a, a really important moment after things fall apart to be with the heartbreak and not try to rush the solution or rush the breakthrough. Which is definitely yeah, our inclination, really, right? We want to get through the pain yeah, as quickly as possible yeah. to the solution because we don't like to sit in it. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, I got to experience that because after, after I had, um, in that call and just hearing this, you know, this woman in my community and everything that she's going through, this really authentic desire started to get born in, in, in me to, to, um, say, you know, man, yeah, I'm really realizing that there are people on the front line who are being hit harder than me. And, you know, one of the small ways that I can serve is to, um, show up and bring my coaching skills to help people deal with the breakdown in, in ways that will be more and more beneficial to them. And so I was sure. looking at my calendar. I said, man, what I, what my heart and soul wants to do, I want to, I want to do a call every one hour, every weekday, you know, coaching with Demi. I'm going to support whoever needs it. And I love I, it. You know, I, sh- I shared this and I was like, oh, my, my heart and soul just wanted to do that. And I, I, I was a little scared to tell my assistant after I hung up, like what I wanted to do. And when I <laughs> talked to her, she's, she's, she says, Demi, how are you going to do that? Your schedule doesn't permit this. And, and then I, I took my own advice and just, I got to be with my own heartbreak around, okay, I would love to be able to serve in this way. And I can't do that without breaking some of the other integrity within my family and some of the other things that I'm committed to. It just is not That's right. workable. And let me tell you, I had heartbreak for a whole 24 hours around that. I did just sit with it. But one of the things that I'm committed to is experiencing heartbreak period, not heartbreak comma. Um, Michael mm-hmm. Neal, um, Michael Neal is a great author. He wrote a really great book that I highly recommend if you need a good book to help turn uh, breakdowns into breakthroughs at this time, The Inside Out Revolution by Michael Neal. It's a great book. Cool. In we'll that, include a link to that. Yeah. Yeah. In that book, he says, um, you know, people spend too much time trying to figure out who they are, not enough time trying to figure out what human is. Wow. Yeah. And, and so you know, and, and a lot and, of the human experience, quite frankly, is heartbreak. It's just part yeah. of the experience. Yeah. 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 And, and, and when we understand that, we'll start to give ourselves a bit more permission to experience it. And when we give ourselves permission to experience whatever we're experiencing, we can put a period at the end of that sentence. I'm experiencing heartbreak, period. But we have a tendency to do our monkey brain puts a comma after it. Man, um, I, oh, man, I, I, I'm experiencing I'm in a lot of pain, but... Because uh, yeah. man, I didn't get prepared. I, I should have done this. I should have had my savings in place. I should have done this. And we make all of these reasons why we're experiencing this, that beat ourselves up and that really doesn't serve us. And so if we'll just start to put a period at, I'm experiencing this heartbreak period and you'll sit with it long enough. It only took 24 hours for me to, to actually get really clear with, okay, you know what? One of the things that I had committed to earlier was to, in this coronavirus, serve in as many simple ways as possible, ways that my ego was uninterested in serving because my uh-huh. ego 
big. And so I'm like, okay, what are the smallest ways that I can serve? And, um, and so what I realized is, is in that moment when this woman in my community was sharing all that she's going with my, my real desire was to serve her. I love it. And so I reached out to her. I I can get an hour on my calendar. I'm going to, for you and your team, anybody who's struggling, I'm going to show up for you guys and do a coaching session for you guys. And, and so, and, and that I was like, yeah, that's it. That's right. And so if we can just be with the heartbreak period and be with it long enough, the, the true desire, the authentic desire and how we can serve in a workable way, a way that is within alignment with integrity, with, with everything else in our life, it will be revealed. And I believe it's revealed through that, you know, through that stream of um, that connection to our deep, that deeper intelligence, that deeper wisdom that we get when we slow down. Yeah. And the temptation when you're in heartbreak is once again to revert to busyness because it's a nice distraction. It's a known distraction. And if we're heartbroken, the temptation is, and I've seen this a lot on Facebook and on the feeds, you know, people are painting their houses, people are redoing their home renovation projects, they're building garden bags. I mean, I get it. I'm not saying those things are all great and very productive activities, but um, but sometimes I think just the permission to sit still and perhaps just stare at a wall and feel the feels is like the last thing that we allow ourselves to do. Oh yeah. Man, I, I so agree. I was noticing that with my family, uh, last night that finally, so we are, I guess, I, I guess we are almost into three weeks with my kids being home, um, doing the homeschooling now. And last night was one of the, the, the sweetest flows of family time. We had a wonderful mm. and I'm I'm realizing and I'm loving my kids being at home. I oh. know that I have oh, good. my husband's ex-wife here. That Hillary, her name's Hillary. I'll call her Hillary instead of my husband's ex-wife. But, <laughs> uh, but she's here and is so wonderful. Like uh, in between calls or in between doing something, I get to pop out of my office and go love on my kids. My I was sharing with you that my son very often will interrupt my calls by uh, you know, bending down and, you know, speaking into the crack underneath my door, mommy, can I come in? And <laughs> my clients are so generous with, um, just being, you know, tolerating this more workability. And I love that. Sure. I love that we're all doing this. I really hope that we don't go back to normal, that we can all really out of this, remember that, you know, this is actually more normal. Right. Right. Um, you know, it's, and there's something, about that, that I think is really sweet. And I, you know, I was noticing yesterday in this flow that part of what has caused the slowdown for me with my family flow is that we're not rushing to and fro, taking kids to their tutors, to their lessons and getting them here. I don't think it was until last night that I realized how packed I had our schedule. You know, it was every day taking you know, Benny to school, Jameson to daycare, Porter to his school, and then getting them all picked up and then to their other activities and then weekend gymnastics and everything. Like we were going all the time so fast. And I really think that coming out of this, like feeling into this more normal, more natural rhythmic flow that is more suitable to our soul and to our connection to this deeper intelligence as we, the more that we experience it, my hope is, is that as we go back, as the, you know, as this um, stay home um, gets released and we're able to congregate more, 
that we, it doesn't feel right for us to be in such a busy pace anymore. I agree. I agree that that becomes the weirdness and that this becomes the norm and that we resist that. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was just reflecting today on that point exactly that my practice in the 10 years that I've owned and operated my law firm, we usually get anywhere from probably 15 to 20 or 25 sometimes inquiries from injured cyclists a month. And this last month of March, 2020, I didn't get a single phone call from a cyclist who had been hit or injured or even threatened or close called or buzzed or harassed the entire month, like an entire month went by without me getting a single call from a cyclist that had a bad situation. And that tells me what I've always believed, which is that when we all slow down and we have more patience and we're, we're just nicer to one another. And also fewer people are driving cars right now. So the roads are less congested. There's really no such thing as rush hour right now with everyone um, staying at home. And then there are far more people riding bikes. It's the same thing you're talking about where like there's some really good magic that's coming out of this, well, this, just what just thing. came out of your mouth. There's no rush hour anymore. Oh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, like, like, it is gone. So it is true. a thing of the past. Like so it's a figment true. of our imagination at this point. Isn't it incredible? How do we keep that from coming? How do back? we keep I mean, that? That's such, a, that's such a, that, that is such a profound metaphor that there's no more rush hour and no how rush the world coming out of this where we don't bring that back. I mean, I think everyone's seeing the power of being able to work remotely, of being able to craft your own schedule, that you don't have to be at a desk for eight hours Mm -hmm. to get done what needs to be done. And I I think there's so much good to come of this. And certainly from an environmental perspective, my heart is just brimming with hope and um, expectation because of the, the ecological benefits of us not all driving cars and rushing everywhere and um, Absolutely. so, yeah. so, you know, okay. So that's all well and good. And you're, but you're right. There are people who are hurting so badly that they're not in a space of being able to see any upside to this right now. And I'm also incredibly sensitive to that. And, um, when you and I have, have both been strategic with our savings and with our overhead. And so we're in this position where we're, we're hurting less than some and less than many, and I recognize and appreciate that too. And just want to express gratitude yeah. for, you know, that, but, um, you always do this really cool exercise with me on our coaching calls where you would have me really kind of get out of my head and into my heart. And I'm wondering for people who are still really spun up in the reactivity mm-hmm. and in the panic, mm-hmm. if you have any guidance on how they might give themselves some space to experience yeah. some of that peace and hear that voice. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's the first thing is that if you're in a place of, um, you know, the first thing is to remember that you are exactly where you are supposed to be and mm-hmm. that wherever you are in this experience is, is perfect for you. And, and I really do believe that the other thing to remember, the other universal truth to remember here is that we, it, it, it's not, we don't um, become great in spite of our challenges and difficulties. We become great because of them. And so challenges in life are either going to make us bitter and, or better. And it's, you know, and, and you know how I believe, I believe that it, in the work that I do, helping people discover their purpose, it's always related to their greatest pain in life. And so whatever pain you're experiencing right now, if you can know that, you know, experience the pain 
but know that it can turn and catalyze into a purpose. Know that it will turn into something great. And one of the ways to do that is to look back in your life. You know, if you look back in some of your past challenges, you, how did you experience them and what did they bring to your life? We don't turn, I mean, we have some challenges where, yeah, they do make us bitter and not, there's no human being out there that has turned all of their challenges into becoming better. We all experience some of them. They make us more bitter and then we're going to recycle. <clears throat> so we experience something, have a breakdown. If we don't go internal and have a breakthrough, we're going to experience that same pattern again in our life in the future. I mean, we're even seeing that on a global pattern here with this pandemic, right? And so but look at the times, if you reflect back on the times that everybody's had a time or a challenge has, as difficult as it was, it brought about something good. You were able to learn or grow or experience something from it. And so if you can reflect back, I, I did a, um, one of our mutual um, friends, Rich Lippman took me through an exercise once that I really loved. He, he had me list down all of the worst mistakes I've made and failures. And, and so I offer this to your listeners, make a list of all of your mistakes that you've made and your worst failures. But then if you really track, what did those lead to? You'll, you'll see, I mean, I had a yoga studio that went belly up. I lost like my life savings in it. And I was so distraught and embarrassed and ashamed at, at the time. But man, Megan, if that hadn't happened, I would, I wouldn't have pursued this coaching route that I'm and. I'm so grateful that that's yoga studio went belly up as much as I love yoga and love doing that because this is, you know, I'm so in the work I'm meant to do here. And so I'm absolutely, I love what I'm doing. I mean, I, you know, after taking kind of two weeks off of coaching and getting back to coaching on uh, this Tuesday, I was like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm breathing again. It just, it's like, it's, it's what I love. And so I wouldn't be where I'm at had that not um, you know, kind of that had that not happened the way that it had. And so that if you can, in this time when things are falling apart, if you can recall other times in your life where things have fallen apart and it has, has led to something better. There's a story, a parable of the Chinese farmer I have lived by in my life when things are falling apart. And I, it's hard to get optimistic in the moment that they're going to get better because in the moment it's hard to get optimistic when things are just you're being bombarded with one thing after the next but this parable always helped me and it's a parable there's a Chinese farmer that had two horses and they were responsible for his whole livelihood one day those horses ran away the next day those horses returned with like seven wild horses and all of his neighbors said what great luck you have what great fortune he said you know good luck bad luck you never really can tell Mm. The next day, his only son um, fell off of one of those wild horses trying to tame him. And all of his neighbors said, what bad luck you have, what poor misfortune. So bad luck, good luck, you never really can tell. And the next day, the Chinese army came through town recruiting troops for the army. And his son was buried because of his broken arm. All of his neighbors said, what great luck you have, what great fortune. He says, you know, good luck, bad luck, you never really can tell. And the story just goes on and on and on like that. And if you can hear a parable like that and relate to it and, and realize that, yes, my life does have this sort of rhythm of good luck, bad luck, and things are always sort of turning one into the next, it can bring a certain amount of hope that even when things are falling apart and, <clears throat> and they seem like they can't get any worse, that it can turn just like experiences in our past. It can be like the Chinese farmer 
that you know something good can come of this. I think it's important to have hope in this time for that. If you can muster nothing else other than that, that's fabulous right now. And and to have that hope of it turning into something better. Um, I think one of the most important things to do <clears throat> is to is to be okay with what is, as bad as it is. One of the that's ways hard, isn't it? Yes. It's so hard. It's that's the hardest because here's the thing: if you can be okay, if you can sort of get to more and more of an okay place with what is it will start to connect you into that deeper wisdom that you have inside. We all have this connection to this source of truth and deep wisdom that is that holds all the solutions that we need to turn our breakdowns into breakthroughs in a way that brings our life exponentially greater and exponentially greater. But we interfere we create interference with this connection to this wisdom when we doubt ourselves and we worry about what is it just creates the static and it's like this it's like if it's a radio channel you have this clear connection and anytime we worry or we doubt ourselves and our ability to um you know live life and create what we want in life and or we worry about um the future and all that could happen. It just, it's, it's like, it creates a, a bunch of static and interference with that connection and we can't hear it. Sure. Can't hear it through all the noise. That's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. You know, I really appreciate what you say about just being okay with what is. And um, I will say that the first few weeks of this, I was really making myself wrong because I was experiencing some sadness and some mourning around some losses that I was experiencing in my life, some opportunities, some trips, some, um, I'd spent a year planning a sabbatical for the month of March, which, um, clearly didn't happen and ended a few days into the month. And it was something that I was really hopeful about and was going to spend time working on this book. And, um, and then I was battling myself because I was saying really where I should have been spending my time and energy is in gratitude and just being so thankful and grateful for the position that I'm in. And, and how dare I feel bad about these things that are so insignificant. And I, I finally concluded that it's totally okay to be both, that you can be both sad and grateful. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Well, I think your, your way out of that loop is to, to give yourself permission to feel what you're feeling, period. Get back period. to it. And, <clears throat> you know, because that when we don't give, and, and that was, you know, the woman on the, in our community that, um, you know, was just that helped me understand my arrogance and in, in leadership to just assume that everybody's making, you know, such great lemonades out of all these lemons. Um, you know, she, you know, the thing that she really needed on that call was to just give herself permission to be where she was right now. And that alone shifted things for her and let things begin to open up such that she could be with what she had to be with day in and day out right now. And, you know, so I, I think if you did nothing else other than 
be give yourself permission to experience whatever you're experiencing and just practice putting a period at the end of it and then just like breathing that. into the stillness with it there's actually a neuro uh, neuroscience study i geek out on neuroscience because it really explains the patterns of our human behavior in ways that are irrefutable and understandable and interesting because we are just so confusing as humans. we are <laughs> so like we are lay some science on us i love it <laughs> yes yes um but there's a neuroscience study that actually they what they did is they they took people and did these brain scans and they had them hooked up and they stimulated the emotional um, receptors to experience a heightened emotional encounter of anger and fear and, and different things and if they, when they asked the person to label or say what it was that they were feeling, once they said the word, I'm feeling angry, that center in the brain started to decrease and started to um, go down considerably. Just labeling what it is you're feeling will take the emotional charge. And I personally believe this isn't, they didn't do this in the study, but this is what I know is part of the magic of coaching is that we when we say it out loud to somebody else, it makes it real. And there's something even exponentially more powerful in labeling when you label it, that you're witnessed with somebody. That's right. I, I've said for years, we're biologically designed to need each other for more re reasons than we realize. And I think this is also showing us at this time. And one of the things that I appreciate about experiencing the pandemic in this century rather than the last two centuries as the world has experienced it is that we have the technology to be able to keep us connected but also keep us safe right like thankfully zoom and we're finding ways to um you know i'm so inspired by so many leaders today that are stepping up and finding small ways to serve and 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 really under and looking to you know i i connected with um, a colleague and a friend that, uh, earlier this week. It really helped me. It was one that really in the conversation, I really was able to see that my instinct in all of this and leadership. Um, are you there, Megan? I am. Uh-huh. Yep, yeah, you're good. My, my phone from the computer did something funny. Um, but one of, uh, my instinct in leadership initially with all of this was to lead from my ego you know, put on a big, you know, uh, start, um, do big gestures, call. right? Like do the big saving things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. on a big call and show off my fancy coaching skills and mm -hmm. deep dive work for people. And, you know, this friend was sharing how he and his family decided to go, uh, send letters to all of his neighbors. Hey, we're healthy. If you need any help, here's our number. And it really struck me. And I thought to myself, wow, Okay, here's here's my ego wanting to show up in bigger ways, but and so that was where I made one of the one of the declarations that I've made in this is um, you know to continue to find the smallest ways to serve ways that my ego is not interested in it at all, um, so that I can because I believe the work in leadership is to get ourselves out of the way. Yep. Is when when and what I mean is my that human condition that monkey suit that wants to look good be admired and you know when that's in the way and when that shows up to lead I'm not my leadership is constrained and I can't really serve right. when I get it out of the way then I can show up in the way that's really authentic in the way that's really going to serve the person in front of me not my ego and you know so just playing with that has been has been really really helpful and I, I it it's also a way for us to. I mean, I think one of the best antidotes to 
fear, worry, anxiety, depression is to serve in small ways. Serve Absolutely. In care. You know, so that would be the other thing that I would suggest is one first, let yourself be, give yourself permission to be exactly where you are, period. Practice the period. And, you know, start to look back and, and remember the times in your life where bad things have fallen apart and it led to something good so that you can activate some hope. And then three, find super small ways to serve that your ego is not interested in. Because if you can serve without the ego, you're going to serve in an authentic way. And there's something about when we do that, that it activates that all of the, all of those hormones that get activated when we connect with love, by the way, our access to that deep wisdom is, I believe, intuition and love. And so the more that we can serve in ways that activate that feeling inside it's an it's a way of being the slowdown i don't think the slowdown happens necessarily by just um breathing and closing your eyes and not doing anything i think it happens by reconnecting to that source of love and our intuition which is where we connect to that deep wisdom that 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 is my kind of experience of being slow down and so doing those small acts of kindness, serving in the smallest ways possible to get your ego out of it, out of it is going to activate your connection to that deeper wisdom, to that truth, to that your connection of your, who you really are. I love it. Yeah. And you know, the question that just came up for me, and I know I've heard you address it before, and it's obviously something that people who are just getting into this work and actually maybe for the first time ever giving themselves permission to try and listen to that innate wisdom and that inner voice is how do I know when it's my inner voice talking to me versus just some madness that's rolling around in my brain that makes no sense or just some whimsical thought that isn't really actually part of, of my core being? You know, how do you distinguish? So I distinguish it. It's a feeling. You cannot think it. You can't distinguish it with words. It's a feeling. You feel it in your body and it lands like truth. And truth is simple and clear and... Um, and uh, it, 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 well, what it isn't is confusing and complicated. Right. So the truth is um, it's, it's usually less words and it's very simple and it makes things clear and it has a feeling of sort of surrender in your body. It's sort of, you notice you're, oh yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. It brings about a peace and a, a contentment. And when, here keeps doing this. Can you hear that when it does? Uh -huh. No, I can't hear it. Nope. You can't hear you're it. Good. Okay. That's good. No, uh -uh. you're good. <clears throat> um, I think it's Siri chiming in. I don't know why. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, no, no, you're uh, fine. Well, and one of the things you've always asked too, is like, where do you feel that? Where does that land? And, you know, usually it's in the, the gut or it's in the heart or yeah. the chest or the throat or, you know, you've always helped me link so, a physical yeah. sensation to it. So you want me to take your listeners through the heart, head, heart, soul thing? Sure. Yes. If you're willing, yeah. that'd be great. Let's do that. It's really simple. So, so if you're, if you're listening to this, you need to grab a question, grab a pen and paper. <clears throat> and as you're grabbing a pen and paper, think of a question. It can be any question. It can be, what is the meaning of life? Or what do I want to have for dinner? Any question doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So you want to write that question down on your paper. And after you get the question written down, you're going to close your eyes. 
And I'm going to ask you to take that question into your head and let only your head answer that question. And so your head, if you can really identify being in your head space, this is the space from which you are, you know, uh, recalling memories, you're articulating in language, you're thinking, your thoughts are flowing. So being in just the head space and identifying that. So ask only the head the question that you just wrote down. Get the answer immediately from just the head. What does the head have? How's the head going to answer that? And only the head. Open up your eyes and write down the answer. And trust your gut with what that answer is. It's just the first thing that comes. Hmm. After you have written the answer down, close your eyes. And then I'm going to have you drop from your head down to your heart. And to land into your heart, think of one person that you have a lot of love for and that you can think of in this moment. Only one person so that you can really focus on your love for them and letting that focus fill up your heart. So pick your one person and take a minute to contemplate your love for them, letting it fill up your heart. You may notice that space getting warmer and fuller. You may notice that it quiet your quieted your mind quite a bit. Ask only your heart the same question, letting only this place of love within answer the same question. Hear the answer immediately. Open up your eyes and write it down. After you've written it down, once again, close your eyes. So from the heart, we're going to drop down deeper into your soul. To that place of infinite truth where you have access to your in, just innate wisdom. Now, you have access to this all the time. It is the same place inside that you would feel in your gut if you told a lie. So if I were to ask you who you are and you said, I'm a purple zebra with um, pink and purple stripes, just feel how that would land in your body. That's that place of like, oh, that's not true. Versus if you were to tell me your name and something about you, it would land as true. That's the place we're going to right here. So go to that place, that place within that is connected to truth. And really identify that you can that you're there. I call this your soul truth. Ask only your soul truth the same question in your place of deep wisdom. Hear the answer immediately. Trust. Open up your eyes and write it down. Hmm. Such a great exercise. Mm -hmm. What's been what has been your experience, Megan, in doing that exercise with me? Um, 
you have had this brilliant way, especially the heart, the dropping into the heart. I think that is one of the biggest takeaways from my time coaching with you is that when you would ask me to envision someone I felt a lot of love for, first of all, depending on the day, it was usually someone different that came to mind. Mm -hmm. And then when I would get really clear on visualizing them and just thinking about them and thinking about moments where I felt love towards them or they made me feel loved, it's exactly as you said, it literally disconnects the brain. Mm-hmm. And that exercise just proved time and time again in my coaching work with you to be so effective to get out of the analytical scorekeeping black and white. Well, if it's not this, then it's this brain, mm-hmm. m- you know, machinations and brought it down into the heart. And, um, you know, dropping into the soul is still a little bit more challenging for me because I don't have that visual that I do with the person that I love. The soul, I completely appreciate what you're saying about, you know, how it feels when you say something that's not true. Um, Mm -hmm. But I still get a little bit of, uh, I guess my brain still tries to play a little bit in that space, but the heart space has been so effective for me to shut my brain off. And it's, it's funny because um, I am more and more with the coaching work I've done for the last few years, I've realized just how much I am actually heart led and my head tries to take over and I get all spun up. And then when my, I get when I give myself permission to think with my heart, it's usually really, as you said, very simple. The truth mm-hmm. is evident. It's, mm-hmm. it's able, you can, you can articulate it in just a few words. It's not complicated. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. It's actually very obvious usually too, which is why we try to outrun it or out, you know, yeah. negotiate yeah. our way around it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, and we all have access to what our truth is and what our answer is all the time. It's just that when our monkey brain is so invested in not knowing or not seeing the truth, which is usually what's happening for most of us is that um, we always know what the truth is, but man, if I had to be with the truth, that could complicate things in my life. That's what monkey brain is saying. It actually would, it makes it simple. The truth sets you free always, but it monkey brain is making up all of these reasons why it would make things so complicated. And so it's just better to not see the truth. And so yeah, it's terribly inconvenient most of the time. Yeah, oh yeah, because usually the truth is is the thing that we're trying to avoid, and it usually is in the avoiding the truth and keeping things normal or how they've been is usually what's making our life so insane. You know, if we'll when we tell the truth, that's where it really sets us free. The, my truth is, I'm done here. My truth is, I'm ready to move on. My truth is. I do want to move forward with this. And on, um, you know, the truth can sometimes it's like, I would say it's kind of like how Joseph Campbell uh, says, it's into the cave you fear to enter lies the treasure you seek. That's what that truth nugget is. It's like, it's, it's very scary to see, but when you say, and that's been my experience, and that's why I love coaching and have had so many wonderful coaches I've worked with over the years that I remember so many times where I was, you know, I didn't know my answer. I didn't know my answer, but Mm -hmm. being on the hot seat, having a powerful coach hold space for me and asking me what my truth is. And I could feel it. I was like, please don't make me answer. Please don't make me answer. Yeah. Okay. I'm done here. And then it was a relief. It's like, oh, okay. Now I, and you're connected to your truth. So. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. And some of my work with you really revealed, I guess, where the biggest, um, eye-opening moments for me were when those moments of seeing things that I was trying not to see coincided with the physical and mental breakdown in my health. 
And um, I've observed this too with my participation in a couple of your Soul Purpose Live group events where we start to see physical manifestations of this in people where their health is taking a toll because they are trying so hard to avoid the thing that they know they need to do. Yeah, our body doesn't lie. Oh, no. And it keeps the score. Mm -hmm. It really, really does. Well, and that's like where, you know, you ask, how do you know, like, how do you know truth? You feel it. Our body feels it. And yeah, if it is a lie, it will store it. It will hold it. And yeah, it's, um, it's really, really, it's very interesting. So one of the things I wanted to get into you and as we kind of wrap this up um, is I know you and I have both read the book, The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer, and then we both randomly um, kind of came back to it. And it had been a couple of years since I read it. And it was I was not in a place where I could really take much away from the book when I read it a few years ago. And then I've been in a different space. I know you have too. And um, uh, I know that you've been in this space of surrender and Again, I acknowledge the struggles that people are facing in this current COVID um, time and surrender may seem like an incredible luxury for us to even contemplate. But that said, I feel like anyone in any place that they're at could could incorporate some surrender into their mm-hmm. space if they're willing to give themselves permission. And I know this has been a huge theme for you lately. So as someone who was, you know, wired to be a doer, how have you changed your, your hardwiring to be more in the surrender space? Well, and it's interesting because it's like where you talk about like surrender, even especially at this time feels like it could be a luxury. I actually feel like more than anything, it's a necessity because when we resist the surrender, we struggle and we suffer. That's where the suffering is. And yeah, when I first read the surrender experiment, it changed my life and I started reading it a second time. It changed my life again. Before I start with a one-on-one client, I send them that book and they will begin after you finish reading this because this is really the work that we do and how I help clients get everything that they want is to let go of everything they need. And that is like, you know, one of the, I shared earlier is that 95% of our neurological wiring is wired based on fear, based on survival and efficiency. And so most of us are driven forward in life to get the things that we want based out of some survival tactic. And what a survival tactic of fear is, is it's I'm doing something in order to not feel what I have felt before. Right. I don't want to feel again. And so I felt not good enough. I felt um, unworthy. Uh, I felt these things. And so if I can become successful enough and I can have a life in a world that looks like this, and my house is more beautiful enough and my car is fancy enough, then I won't have to be with that feeling of not being a good, good enough. And so most people that have not done any level of this deeper work are driven forward in life towards success based on some driver that was rooted in fear. And when that is the case, it will one do one of two different things. One, it, they'll self-sabotage time and time again. They won't be able to get what they want. Or two, they'll achieve the goal that they were going for, but they'll still feel empty inside. They'll still feel like something's missing or it's, it's just never enough. And, you know, and so the only way to really be successful in life is to actually, it's like, is the irony is the ultimate irony is you have to let go of everything that you think you need in order to get everything that you really want. And so in the work that I do with people is that's what I do is 
is we get to the root of that driver. Because when it comes to these survival pattern drivers, that which is undistinguished runs us. You know, I, um, and, and so when we distinguish them, we pull them forward and we realize that that's what they are. I mean, I've shared the story, I think, with you before about my brother-in-law. He was, um, you know, he reached out to me um, that he was just so frustrated because he kept starting these businesses and he couldn't, he, he never finished anything. He had like 50 logos and 50 business plans. He was a young, ambitious, um, you know, entrepreneur and he kept starting doing, joining these startup companies. And he couldn't, he just couldn't finish anything. And I finally asked him, well, what do you want? And he said, well, I want a hundred million dollars really. And they had to like, I, he kind of was kind of like a surrender, like, okay, well, I, I really want this. And then he said, I want it because I want to help people. And I said, I pushed my bullshit button on my desk. <laughs> you know, that I have, that I knew it wasn't true. Like that's just his reason to justify wanting that. And I was like, okay, yeah, 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 you're right. I, I just want to be able to travel with my wife around the world. And so what we, that was like his driver, I knew because he wasn't able to achieve what he said he wanted and he was not satisfied with life. I knew that his drive for a hundred million dollars was inauthentic. It was based from fear and I had to help him get to the root of it. And what the root of it was, was when he was a kid, he wanted to be an NBA basketball player and he, he his mom told me he could, he was going for it. And then one day he heard over his mom tell his brother that, hey, shh, just let him believe it. And he, he was crushed. And he made a meaning out of that experience that, you know, mom, that means that everything mom ever told me that I could do in my life, she doesn't believe it. Mom doesn't believe in me, which means I'm really this failure. And so all of his drive in all of these businesses and what he was trying to do is he needed, he was trying to, he wasn't going to be an NBA basketball player. So he wanted to be the next Facebook. So he kept he kept joining these startup companies that promised to be the next Facebook. And the minute he didn't think that they would be, he was out. And so he, you know, when, and in the meantime, what he was a genius at was real estate financial. He was doing um, commercial real estate finance, but that's too boring. That's not sexy enough, which is an irony. Cause I'm like, man, that's super sexy in my world. I don't know about you, but totally that's way cool. Right. But yeah, that he couldn't do that because it wasn't hard. It was too easy for him. So he was passing over this opportunity that was right in front of him. So he could do this really hard thing to be the next Facebook so that he could prove that mom wasn't right. But he didn't realize that was what was driving him. But once we pulled it forward and he saw that we had a really good laugh <laughs> and we like, it's like, Oh my sure. God, and he saw the truth of it. The truth set him free. And that, the super irony too, is that this company that wanted him to come and work with him for them to do the commercial um, real estate finance. The funny thing is, is it um, the startup company that he was working with was hopefully going to have an office in the city he wanted to live in maybe 10 years in the future. That's what I was hoping for. The commercial finance company that wanted him to come and work for him already had an office in the city he wanted to work for what he wanted to live in. And so, and he, so he was able to surrender. And this is what surrendering really is, is it's like life is really wanting to happen for us. Miracles are outside our door. Our ego is stepping over the miracles and the opportunities to prove something that we can never prove because it's, it's a lie. It's a lie that he's a failure. That's an irrelevant conversation. I'm a failure. I'm not a failure is the same conversation. 
And when you're in that conversation and those are what's driving you, it keeps you from getting what you really want. And when you're on that, when you're in that rat race, you can never win it. I think our friend Rich always says too, the problem with the rat race is even if you win, you're still a rat, you're still a rat. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. You know, I, yes. And this point was driven home to me time and time again in the two soul purpose lives that I've taken part in with you, where we have consistently seen these incredible achievers and doers who, when we finally got down to the core of it, most of them had some event happen as a young child or some story that they had been telling themselves since they were very, very little that they've been trying to outrun or overcompensate for their entire lives. And when we finally peeled that truth back in those workshops and they got clear about it, Not only did we see the relief wash across their face that you mentioned earlier and sort of the physical manifestation of this like release of that, Mm -hmm. but they, they had the chance to get clear on the fact that they were on a hamster wheel going nowhere to try and, you know, overcome just like your brother-in-law, as you said, that one comment, that one moment, that one experience that has basically been the driver for everything else. And to your point, what you said this hits me so hard every time you say it, which is that which is undistinguished runs us. And I've experienced this with my breakthroughs with you and in coaching is we have these things running in the background, this machine in the back of our head that is undistinguished. And it's like, the, it's like pulling the marionette strings of our, of our puppet. And we don't even know it until we finally see it. And then holy cow, totally, absolutely. like game changer. I mean, I have these stories running me too. We all have these stories. Oh yeah. That are running us. And it's like, and this is where I, I echo what Michael Mill says is like, stop trying to figure out who you are and start trying to understand what human is. Because when you understand what human is, you start to understand how the monkey super in operates and how it operates is it has an experience, which is uncomfortable. And then it's where it's this neurological behavioral patterning to never experience that again. And the ways in which we are going to never experience that again are the things that are driving us to prevent us from getting the thing which we really want. And until we distinguish those patterns, that's what stuck is. We stay stuck. And when you distinguish them, that once again is where the truth will set you free. And when I hear you say that, of course, it seems so you know, obvious to me, but it didn't until I saw this all unfold in the workshops and in the work that you've done with me. And it's just this really incredible way to do life. And it's certainly, um, fortunately and unfortunately for me, you know, some of the questions you've queued up at the, especially the workshop back in October where I was a participant, um, it has raised some very, uh, inconvenient truths for me about what I do for a living and my profession and how I want to be in my life and the ways that my current job does not allow me to be and show up in my, in my life. And as I have allowed the surrender more and more into my life, this incredible, um, way of these doors opening, as you mentioned into things, which probably are more in alignment with me and my values, my gifts. And, um, to your point about your brother-in-law, oftentimes the things we're called to do are actually the ones that do seem so easy that they're almost too obvious because it's, it's the water that we swim in, as you say. And scary, like for you. And sometimes it can Super be scary. scary. It was a lot more convenient for you to not know what you wanted to do. That's right. The idea of like changing on such a big way. 
oh my gosh, monkey, by the way, monkey mind, our monkey mind, that 95% of our large neurological wiring wants things to remain the same. It is hell bent on making tomorrow the same as today. And you weren't, your soul didn't want that. And so there's like, no, that. of course not. Yeah. Yep. No, it's incredibly inconvenient and scary. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, the, the part about the surrender that I like, and, and I certainly don't mean to underplay the seriousness of everyone's situation right now, but but also we are just given this one life. And if we do approach it a bit more like a game and we give ourselves permission to take some risks and to try some things and to not be so tied to the outcome, I just wonder what magic and brilliance might come from that experiment and that, um, you know, A, yes, the surrender and B, the willingness to try things, even if it means that we fail. And especially right now with people being laid off from jobs, what better time to launch something new or to start a new business or try something new than right now? Yeah. I'm having people reaching out to me too now where it's like, oh my gosh, I have been wanting to get out of my parents' dream that yes. I'm living in. And you know, yes. no, no better time than now because it is. And you know, it's, it's a thing to echo what Michael Singer says. We're all just floating around on this big giant spaceship in outer space. Don't forget that. And yeah, right. not to undermine the seriousness of the situation. And I get that people are dying and people are really on the front lines in a bigger way than I am. And don't forget that we're on a big giant spaceship in outer space all here together. And there's a bigger picture at play. And it's through the breakdowns that our, uh, where there was weak integrity in our life or we were out of alignment with our truth, it will start to be exposed and it will start to be revealed. And if we'll use this as an opportunity to slow down, go within and get still and really connect to that deeper truth. And here's the thing. If you did that exercise with me, the head, heart, soul that I just did, and you got frustrated because you couldn't get your big answer, don't stop wanting it. That's one of the things that I think I have just never stopped in my life is, is wanting an answer to what is my purpose and what is this life about? It used to drive me almost to madness until a few years back, I realized, oh, wait, those questions are going to serve me better, never fully answered. So then I can ask more questions like, what can this life be about? What um, What's a purpose I can take on greater than myself and thus discover my greatness as a result of it? Mm. And if I'll never really fully answer those, then it can open up a lifetime of possibility for me to live a really rich, beautifully soulful life. And But if you'll want those answers and don't stop answering them and you'll discover, you're, I really do believe that we all are connected to this innate intelligence, this deep wisdom that all you have to do is want it. You're going to get your humanness out of the way eventually and get it, get in touch with it. And so, and, and it's the, it's, it's within the breakdowns that often we're able to do that. I mean, I, one of my clients this week reminded me that it was out of the great depression that more millionaires were um, born than any other time. We, I believe that. Humans, we as humans, when we need these breakdowns, these breakdowns are gifts in, in, in more ways than we realize. And you're not always going to realize them in the moment. You're not meant to. So be with the heartbreak period and then get, go internal, be patient, just be patient. I love it. Well, Demi, I will include links to the two books that we've talked about the inside out revolution and the surrender experiment 
And I know that you are in the process of building a brand new, beautiful website and, and launching Instagram. But for the time being, where is the best place for people to find you or to contact you if they want to talk to you more? You know, right now it probably would be on Facebook, uh, Facebook or Instagram. We are going to be okay. um, we're doing some exciting things. We have um, cool. a couple of sole purpose lives. We're doing a virtual one coming up in June, which is Excellent. a great opportunity for people to experience it and not have to incur travel expenses. And, um, and then hopefully in the fall in Colorado with you. So, yay. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. So and you've been doing a lot of Facebook live too. So I want to share that with people as well so that they can, um, you know, tune into some of your Facebook live. So, so the best place for them to find you is just your personal page on um, Facebook. Is that right? Or is it a business link? Business page? Um, yeah, probably. Uh, so yeah, just probably my first personal page. And then, um, there's wealthy women now Facebook page too, that has, um, some things, um, places that I'll post uh, from time to time as well. And uh, I'll be posting it more links for sole purpose live on the Facebook page. So if anybody wants to information about that, we can, you can find it. So it's Demi McConkie, M-C-C-O-N-K-I-E. And we will include links to those things on the Maximum Enthusiasm page, as well as on the Apple podcast link to this so that people know where to find you. And very soon you will have a gorgeous new website with more links and resources, which I can't, I'm so excited for you to have that just so we can keep putting your voice out here into the world. Um, Demi, you're such a gift. Thank you so much for the work that you do and for helping us all through this crazy time and just staying so grounded and being so intentional. It's just you like you lead by example in that space. And I, I also just want to say thanks for sharing your personal story about your family, because, um, I'm sure it would be really easy to just avoid talking about what the family stuff was before this reset and now what it looks like now. And so thanks for sharing that story. I bet that landed with a lot of people. Well, thank you. It's my declaration that I created out of this is that a year from now, I'll look back and say the coronavirus was the best thing that happened to me, my family Mm. and my business. And I offer that to your listeners and to everyone because declarations are powerful. They change how we govern our actions into the moment and those actions change the outcome of our future so So i really believe that's how declarations really serve us so if you if join me in that and let's make you know a global declaration of that that the world is a better place as a result of this let's hope let's hope i think that's where we're headed if nothing else it has slowed us all down for a a significant amount of time not just a week or two but probably a month a month and a half at minimum is what we'll look back on as, as the reset, the great reset, if you will. And um, I'm excited for us. I love it. I love it. I'm going to, cheers to no more rush hours. Thank you. you. No more rush hour and a great week. Have a good night, (laughs) lady. Have a great, you too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hotman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.